Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Austin Rugby Podcast. So glad you could join us again. It's another week. We've got interviews. We've got analysis. We've got excitement. We've got more signings for the AGs. Man, we're wrapping so many things up into one show. It's going to be kind of fun. Um, not only are we going to talk with some an AG player on, on this episode, but we're also going to talk with one of the local uh, club level coaches. So that'll be great. Um, but I'm really excited to bring on somebody who has been on the show uh, twice before. This will be third time. And we talked about it in the first ever episode of this year, first ever episode of this year, the first episode of this year, um, when we said that we're going to have a regular contributor. And I'm really excited for it because I don't have to talk all the time. And you guys get to hear somebody else besides me talk and see somebody else's face besides mine, which I know you probably get tired of. And of course, that's Mr. Alex Reese. Alex, welcome to the show, man. Glad you could come back. Yeah, thanks. Thanks a bunch for uh, having me on, Dustin. I know. Uh, Repping the, the Huns, I see, uh, as 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 is custom. Right look at, here. Look at that. That fit in that nice Canterbury jerseys. Uh, any of those left for sale? <laughs> uh, no, I'm going to go ahead and say this one's from 2016. Woo. Um, and I don't, I don't know what's, what's, hasn't been, uh, <laughs> collected from, from five years ago. There you go. Co- collector's items. Well, um, Alex, right. for, for those that don't know you, um, you were formerly with flow sports, uh, you still do, uh, you know, writing for flow sports, um, uh, you know, during this time of COVID and stuff and the lack of rugby in the world. Is that right? Yeah, here and there, um, still contribute. Um, I guess whenever they they need freelance writers, <laughs> whenever uh, rugby happens, uh, <laughs> yeah, on flow, yeah. which isn't whenever rugby happens on flow. So that's you know you're dealing with two two relatively unlikelies these days. But um, <laughs> well, yeah, I still try to uh, try to uh, write for them when I can, and um, yeah, everything's all all good between us. Nice. Well, it's you know obviously since not a lot of really not a lot of rugby has gone on, you know, really anywhere. Of course, over in Europe, they've got some going on. We, we do have some man, hopefully kicking off here. We want to talk about, you know, this week, um, past two weeks, as you know, we, we've been talking about the re-signings of all the players, uh, that the Gilgronis mm-hmm. have had, um, pretty exciting. Um, any, any, who, who would you say is probably your most excited re-signing in the backs and in the forwards? the past <laughs> for the past year um, no, it's not you're playing favorites or anything because i i know as a as, as somebody who is capped for the ags uh which we did point out in the first show uh, for somebody who's capped uh you, you got that one uh, <laughs> you got that one. first ever AGs game what's that um you said the first ever ags game that's right that's right first ever ags game came on Eight whole minutes. <laughs> yeah. So I, I guess you know, as as an analysis uh, or an analyst, I should say, uh, who's who's the two that you got uh, most exciting coming back that you think? Um, you know, obviously, uh, it's a, maybe a little different because you know I know a lot of the guys you know have gotten to play last year, but uh, I think a guy that in the forwards I'm most excited about is got to be Dom Akina coming back and there's other options too. you like, you know, it's great to have the WAPA and Mason and, and Mo, um, you know, and a number of those guys back in the fold. But I thought that, you know, Dominic Akina had such a massive leap in the five games that he got to play last year that, you know, it was 
I was really excited to see, you know, where he would finish by season's end. Um, and, you know, Austin, uh, my buddy Austin Willis and I, who he runs, you know, the AG's social and everything, we kind of agreed that Dom Aquina um, had to be one of the breakout stars of the league oh, last yeah, year. For sure. um, so I think just for me personally, like being able to see how far he took, uh, how far of a leap he took in year one, transitioning that into year two, um, even a newer coaching staff, perhaps, um, you know, an added year of professionalism. Um, I think that that's Dom is, is a guy that I think everybody should be excited about. Um, yeah. Hair or no hair. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh man. I was so sad to hear basically he and Mo and, uh, and Roderick all kind of cut their locks. Yeah. And yeah. I was like, so if, if you remember yeah. back to, uh, you, you may remember back to this, but I believe it was like 2009, maybe 2010, um, back for Wales, the hair bear bunch. Do you remember those? Do you remember that group? You may be a little bit young uh, to remember that one. You, I don't know if you're talking about Adam Jones. Um, you know, one of the great props of the last 20 years. Yeah, they had about three or four of them. The, the Welsh Welsh national team. They called them the Hair Bear Bunch. And ask your dad, maybe he knows. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, so that's good. So okay, so yeah, okay. So Dom Aquina, I think obviously excited. Obviously had him on the podcast last week. Uh, who who in the backs? There's only five of them uh, that are returning. So that's. <laughs> In the backs, um, you know, I think the one of the pretty obvious, you know, choices is, you know, anytime you can bring an all black back into the back line, that's exciting. Right. So having uh, Frank Halley is massive. But personally, I uh, would have to say I'm most excited with the re-signing of Pelly uh, Cowley. Yeah. Um, at halfback, because I thought that, you know, especially in, in a league like MLR, um, I feel like the the role of a halfback is super important. I think it's just a, you know, momentum stable, like a guy that kind of stabilizes, you know, the flow of the game. Um, and there's not a whole lot of real experience um, at nine across, especially international experience yeah. across the league. So I thought, I think bringing Pelly back is a massive step. And I think that's, you know, a building block that, that you can really um, kind of work a team around. Definitely. You know, right there in the middle. So, yeah, and yeah, I, th- I, I, gotta- I, th- I think he really showed that in that game against against Houston. I mean, he came mm-hmm. in like th- on three days. I think three days of training. I was yeah. talking with him, and and I was talking with, with Kurt, and Kurt said, "Yeah, I think we had three days of training before we actually laced up for that Houston match." And he came in, played the whole game, commanded the field. Yeah. I mean, commanded well, the field. You know what I loved um, in that Houston game? Uh, it, I. For fans that have followed the from the elite to the herd to the Gogronis all the way through, I think we can all lament over the number of late game situations that we have botched. Um, oh, yeah. I think over over the past three seasons that you know have had our record maybe not necessarily reflective of how well we've played in a lot sure. of games, um, and I think that some of that comes from lack of experience and, and a bit of panic. Like I think of games where uh, like the uh, Utah game last year, we could have really oh, probably yeah. ran out, ran out the clock, um, just maintained the ball with a bit of composure and, you know, we kicked it away um, yeah. and it came back at us. And I've seen that happen before. Oh, the, the NOLA game the in minute, 2000 and was it 2019, the NOLA game where they, yeah. we kicked it away. Like we had it and they literally took off for yeah. like 70 meters and scored right. to try to win the game. Like, I was like, Oh man, that's exactly. Or like the, uh, 
you know, the, the year, the first year when we played the Legion in the final game of the year and oh. all we needed was a losing bonus point and, you know, we throw, spin it wide and throw a tosser pass and, and it goes back the other way for a try. And, yeah. you know, it's just like some of that late game management um, has been poor, I think, over the years. And and having a guy at nine to really like right the ship yeah. is important. And, and I, I all that to say that, the last three and a half minutes camped on our own 10 meter line. Oh yeah. Kelly just, you know, marshalling the forwards around and we, we milked, I think three and a half minutes off the clock. Oh, like 10 meters out. It was, from yeah, our own line. Yeah, it was, it was a very nerve wracking situation given the fact that, yeah, yeah. We, we were 10 meters out. Um, you know, everybody is dog tired by then, obviously, cause you mm-hmm. played the whole game and you've just got as cool, cool as can be. Right. We'll, we'll, we'll use the, uh, we'll qu- yeah. get the phrase, the cool thing on the other side of the pillow. But yeah. I mean, he was just sitting there going, yeah. okay, yeah. you go here, you go here. He's like stretching a little bit, taking a yawn. Like it was just like nothing was going right. on. Like all was right in the world with, with, with Bailey on that. So yeah, I agree with you. Yeah. I, I think he's, I think he's a good, um, you know, match, match winner for us yeah. that, um, that's going to be, you know, and, and it doesn't, it doesn't I, hurt. It, yeah. Yeah. And it do, doesn't hurt having, um, having Marcelo, you know, there as well. I mean, Marcelo got right. great experience yeah. playing down with Chile. Um, almost, course, yeah, they had a huge, they had a huge win. Um, yeah. a few months ago, yeah, they almost uh, won, almost won the tournament. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. They, they almost, they almost beat Argentina, the Argentine, Argentine 15. Um, I think they only right. lost by like four or something like that. So it was a close match. Yeah. Um, pretty cool. That's cool. Um, okay. So guys coming back, you know, there's news everywhere. As I, I joked around and we'll do the, the pun. There was huge news this week or huge uh, news this week uh, for, for Austin um, in the signing of that one Hugh Roach from, well, he's Australian. Uh, he's got 50 caps uh, in super rugby. Uh, he just came off right. winning a championship with the Crusaders. Man, what kind of, you know, in, in your thoughts, when you saw that, you're like, oh, wow, now we have a real, another big hooker that's coming yeah. to play for us. <laughs> right. You know, um, it, anytime you get, anytime you get a guy with any super rugby caps, you know, you're getting, um, you know, one of the premier players on the planet that's, you know, relative in a way to, you know, getting an NBA, a former NBA player, you know, yeah. if you're a basketball franchise overseas or something. Um, and not only are you getting a super rugby player, but one with 50 caps who has been a part of two separate um, championship winning teams. If you look back all the way to 2014 uh, when he played with the Warriors. Yeah. Um, I mean, there, you don't, you don't accidentally find yourself on a, uh, on a championship level team. I think everybody, you know, it's a, it's a team effort. And so you, you, you've got a guy bringing, you know, a lot of championship pedigree to Austin. Um, oh, for sure. And you, you even saw like his, you know, cliche, but not, but maybe was, cliche for a reason, you know, quote, the overall goal uh, is simple win the competition. Okay. Yeah. And like from a guy, from a guy that, and you know, he also won the minor 10 cup in 2019 with Tasman. Tasman. So, and they went undefeated that in that, in that year too. Like, yeah. So you're bringing in a serial winner. Um, you know, I think that's, I think that's just positive for the culture of the team, um, to have a guy that's been there and done that. And, and is, you know, again, like I mentioned earlier, adding another level of professionalism, you know, to the, 
team yeah and, and if you look i mean he's not small at all that's for sure <laughs> he's a no. he's a monster he, i mean not monster as far as like height wise he's only 510 as far as height goes but he's 243 but if you ever if you watch the highlight reels he is a wrecking ball like he is you know, just he just barrels over people uh but he's yeah he's totally. quick too like like I, you can in some of the highlights he's actually out on the wing reminds me a bit of like dane coles like you know out there I, like I, i'm gonna score tries at, you know where an 11 totally. should be <laughs> i think um you know you and i have mentioned uh i've talked quite a bit about the kind of the wealth in hookers that we have right now. Yeah. We have four, uh, right? So yeah, we've got four like very high quality hookers. Um, and you know, two of them who are extremely seasoned super rugby players. And I kind of look at our forward pack as a whole. And I, I would say like, if there's a, if there's any spot that we haven't necessarily filled, I think maybe number eight it is, yeah, yeah possibly a spot and i i think about you know as you're saying uh hugh roach is a guy that's a very physical large man he might not be tall but he's large he's fast um he's very aggressive and he's good in the open field i almost wonder if the ags would consider using him in a sort of like uh a sam simmons from Exeter yeah, yeah. kind of way. yeah a, a shorter but but very fast, that. mobile number eight. Because you know, at at some point, you want your best players on the part. Yeah. So I I I, I said it last maybe week. The day there. Yeah. Um, he wrote great. Yeah. It's I, <laughs> I love you throw that out this week. Uh, last week I, I said you know Co- Coach Harris, if you're listening, uh, Dom Aquina would be a pretty good eight. Kind of the uh, the Adi Savina style, yeah. Because yeah. no we we know Dom's pretty quick, uh, <laughs> um, and, but you know I, I do think, and we we can talk about it next week. We can talk about some other of the uh, the forwards coming in. Um, you know, we've got McLean Jones coming in too, so right. he also can play eight, but kind of plays anywhere in the loose forwards. Um, yeah, we'll see. I, I don't know. You know, going back to the hookers, um, you know, because we are just going to talk about hookers today. Just kind of fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, get everyone's these mind. Ones aren't cheap, though. Well, these ones aren't cheap. No, no, they're not cheap. Uh, <laughs> we, t- we talked about it, you know, signing, you know, re-signing Rams, um, who mm-hmm. I, I just think Rams is probably the fittest athlete in, in major league rugby. Um, getting him back. We did get it in the draft and we'll talk about some of the draftees in, in a future episode as well. We got Mason Coke, Coke, Koch. I don't know. I think it's Coke. Like a cook, I would guess cook. it's cook. K O C H. I don't know, but I've heard it all kinds of ways. Anyway, so from yeah. from Dartmouth, you know, he, he's a young guy, lots of promise, lots of potential. He's been here training, you know, for months. Um, I I kind of foresee him maybe. Um, yeah, I do think it'd be kind of hard for him to get some some game time in when you've got you know people like mm-hmm. Hugh, people like Robbie, who we'll talk about in a minute, and then and Ramsey as well, um, who are really high quality athletes. Um, not to put give anything away from Mason, but I, I think uh, maybe a good year, you know, playing with the Huns or playing with the Blacks locally, you know, getting some good you know high level D one experience would be good for him too. Definitely. So. We were, we were say, saying it before. Um, we are signing. We, we've signed hookers. We're signing more hookers. Uh, the other one we've got coming in is Robbie Kutzi. Uh, Robbie, known as the uh, the happy hooker, I think is what what the social media handle that 
that he was claiming to, or that he said that he, everybody calls him uh, as the happy hooker. Um, South African born. Um, he's played. Oh man. Where, who did he play for? I just forgot. Oh my goodness. Uh, lions and super rugby and the golden yeah. and the golden lions. So, yeah. <laughs> um, but again, this Robbie, Robbie is a big guy. He's six one two thirty one. 231. Um, and again, lots of, lots of talent, high pedigree, you know, what do you see from him that you're thinking is going to be kind of exciting for the AGs? We talked about, you know, what Hugh brings to the table. Obviously, you know, Robbie's been playing for, he's got quite a few uh, super rugby camps as well under his belt. Yeah. I think, um, you know, Robbie has been part of a, um, I suppose you would call it a resurgence, uh, from the lions in the past, um, I guess since about two, 2014 or 2015 is when they kind of started, um, becoming the top dogs there in yeah. South Africa and had been up until this last year. Um, and I think, you know, while they play a pretty fast game, I, I would say that one of the hallmarks of the lions over the past, um, you know, five years or so has been a really rock solid set piece, um, in the line out and, um, up front with, with the, um, scrum. Yeah. And, and I think, um, we saw a lot, um, last year in just five games, how important the set piece can be in major league rugby and especially how deadly your rolling mall is. Oh, yeah, um, absolutely. And, and I think that you bring a guy like Robbie Kutzia and who's, um, been a, I mean, when the only guy keeping you from starting is Malcolm Marks, I think that it's a, it's a, uh, it's a pretty good person that, to be, be, be behind. Yeah. yeah. He's all right. I think, I think he's, yeah, I think, I think you've got, I think you've got game. Um, right. You know, he's a big, a big aggressive South African. You know, he's going to put in his hits. He's going to make his meters in the carry. He's going to do his work at the breakdown. Um, but I think most importantly is he's going to really uh, shore up a, a set piece that I think, you know, particularly our lineup was a little bit wayward yeah. um, in, in the last year. So yeah. um, God, we had that stability with him. And, and I think, uh, you know, we, we tighten a lot of screws yeah. there with the forward pack. I, I, I definitely think so. And, and his story is really interesting too, knowing the fact that he, I mean, he stepped away from the game. I mean, he said, you know, he, he and his wife, like he has a, he has a young kid. Um, and so he, he kind of stepped away from the game and he didn't actually know if he was going to come back, uh, which I found to be fascinating. Um, glad that he did. I mean, you can, you know, he's been training. I know he's here with the team. He's actually been, I believe he's been in Texas for quite some time, a couple months now, um, ahead of everybody else, which I thought was interesting. Um, but it's good to see, it's good to see him come back. If you, again, I go back and watch some of the highlights and stuff. Yeah, he does. He has, he's at a, he's an aggressive South African. Just yeah. <laughs> it's, it's that's really hard hitting. I saw a, a meme today and it was you know, here how South Africans trained in the off season. It was a guy rolling a giant tire down a hill, uh-huh. you know, like a monster truck tire and the South <laughs> African just hits it, knocks it, knocks the tire on the ground. Um, I, I kind of see that happening with, with Robbie. I, I think it's going to be a little bit different style of play between Robbie and Hugh. I think Hugh is going to maybe give us more of that speed um, at the position, mm-hmm. but I think at the breakdown, Rob, Robbie's going to be one that just, he's going to be a bulldog in there is kind of how earth, earth mover. <laughs> what's that earth, earth mover. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. I just imagine, uh, I just imagine, I just envisualize um, for some reason, all South African forwards as, Guys that grow up on a farm tackling tackling uh, animals for <laughs> for um you know, come, come for when they grow up. 
Come to think of it, most every South African that I played for who's a forward is kind of like that. It's like, oh yeah, yeah I, I'm a farmer. I, I bale hay. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They got that farm boy strength. There you go. There you go. Um, which, you know, obviously we also have another South African, you know, on the team that we resigned and Rams who, yeah, he has yep. that strength too. So it, it's going to yeah, be, totally. ugh, man, that I'm, I'm curious to see how that's going to shape up. Right. Like who's going to get this starting. I think this, you know, I talked with Kurt Marath, we talked to Kurt, Kurt Marath about it here, uh, which we'll get to later in the podcast is, you know, who's going to get the starting 10, the starting two, the start. I mean, there's a lot of competition, um, right. which I think has been a change from the AGs, you know, this year versus every year previous, you know, going back to the right. elite days, like we, we never really knew what team was going to show up week one, right. Or who was going to be in training yeah. or, you know, uh, all the different issues we have with visa issues. Right. Most everybody is here. Like yeah, you gotta love that. And, and that for for any Austin fan, you ha- yeah, you have to love that. That's got to be exciting when when you look at that and you look at how it's different from previous seasons. When you look online for all of the signings that we've had, like somebody said, mm-hmm. you know, I when did we get to thirty caps or over thirty caps for people on a team? And I said, I didn't think that was actually a rule. Like we take as many as you can on a team, <laughs> and you know, yeah. you have associate contract players, and then you've got full time players. But to have the depth in the positions that are really important, but in yeah. this case, every position is something that I think, you know, LA has done. LA has got a lot of players, but I think Austin probably has done the best out of anybody um, as far as getting that depth. You know, you can go. Uh, yeah, I think so too. I mean, I, I would be curious to see, you know, what's left of the San Diego team from a year ago. Cause I think that they, I mean, they were a showpiece in, in depth last year, but um, I don't know. If they've, I'm not, I, I don't know, if, you know, whether or not they've had a mass exodus of, of players. Um, Cause I haven't, seen a whole lot of re-signing um, uh, news on San Diego I, front. I, I know the two former Austin players, Ben Mitchell and Pete Malcolm, like they, they re-signed, but I mean, no Nanu, uh, no JP Duplessis. Um, right. They've lost... Oh, I'm, what's that? Said so he's gone down to NOLA. He's down to NOLA, which is right. a huge pickup from NOLA. Um, totally. I, and I know I, I've seen again. It's hard to keep track of everybody moving around in the off season. Yeah, <laughs> it's hard. It's hard enough it just keeping track of everybody in Austin right now. Um, but right. I think that that's going to be one of the that's going to be one of the key things is seeing like yeah, which team are they going to uh, are they going to make sure that uh, Chris Robshaw and uh, enjoys about a uh, one month quarantine <laughs> one as month soon as he gets, soon as he gets in. Hey man, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, and, 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 and what I think you mean is the San Diego Legion of Las Vegas. That's true. <laughs> right. Oh, that's another thing to talk about is will LA actually play in LA? I, I have no idea. Yeah, uh, lots, lots of things to talk yeah. about. We're playing in Texas. We're 50% capacity and you know, if if you if we do end up playing and with people in the stands, code of houses five thousand people, that's twenty five hundred yeah. people. Love nothing more than twenty five hundred people yeah. in the stadium watching yeah. rugby. <laughs> That'd be funny if they uh, put if they put up the uh, the entire legion in the uh, Caesar's Palace all season. <laughs> That'd be very fitting, wouldn't it? 
It's kind yeah, of like, right? well, I mean, Caesar's Palace, you know, yeah. Like, I think it would be kind yeah. of interesting just to see him walking around. Of course, everybody would have to, the cohort would have to go there, their, their fan group. Um, we'll, we'll, t- we'll talk about the Austin fan group name another time. There's part, been of, their, part of their deal to, the part of their deal to uh, pay rent at Caesar's Palace is they have to, uh, their day job is walking around as legionnaires. <laughs> legionnaires. <soldiers. laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, you know, just to re- want to recap, cause we want to get to our interviews and stuff. Um, really excited that, that Hugh Roach is coming on. Um, mm-hmm. He's got lots, man. That, that was a, that was a really, really good signing. I think. And, and Robbie could um, also a great signing. Um, who's your, if you were to pick today, who's, who's going to be your starter? Oh, I know. God, I would imagine. I mean, Robbie's 31 and Hugh is 28. So they're not, I don't think that, you know, age is necessarily a. Especially in the forwards. Wapa would say that. (laughs) I would imagine week one, they'll probably go with uh, Kosia just because I think he's. It's going to be real reliable and he's going to nail down what he needs to nail down and then bring on um, Roach as an impact, real impact sub. Yeah. Uh, like, you know, um, I can't think I, I, it's, the guy's name is leaving me, but the, uh, the lions used to have a real good backup uh, hooker. Oh, it wasn't Kutia. Um That was a real uh, I know live talking, wild. I know who you're talking about. I cannot remember his name at all. I can see the face, yeah, but I can't remember. I think it might have been a Vandemova, but it could be. Uh, There's a lot of them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, but, uh, yeah, I think I, I can. I see Roach coming on as as your uh, you know your real impact um, guy that you hate to have to tackle at any point, but especially Spe- in especially the half the yeah, especially in the sixtieth minute or seventieth minute or something. Yeah, like that. yeah. yeah. Um, oh, I, yeah. I I, I kind of have to agree with you. I was I was thinking the same thing. I think that I think that Robbie may get the nod to start off with, but who knows? We'll see how if they do preseason games. I don't know how that's going to work out, but if we get to see anything beforehand, maybe I don't know. Maybe Hugh gets the slot, um, and then of course you know we have to take into consideration international player, U S player, you know, who's going to fill in for that. Um, you know, how that balances out the sheet too. Cause that's a whole nother topic of conversation. So, well, cool. Well, we'll, we'll wait to see how that happens. We've got 30 days, something like that until roughly 35, 40, 40 days until kickoff. I don't know. I need to go back and check that. Do your homework, Dustin. You should know better. Yeah. <laughs> No, it's in March. Yeah. Sometime in March, we, we hope to have a season. Um, we hope to play games and that's going to be fun. So uh, right after this break, we'll have our first... In, well, we'll have both of our interviews. We'll have the first one and then we'll follow right back up with uh, a nice time sitting down with Tongan International. And uh, what I think is going to be... I, I'm pushing for him to get his fourth World Cup appearance so he's the only Tongan to have four international appearances which we talk about here <laughs> um, excuse me started choking there gotta, gotta gotta love that when you're trying to record and you start choking on something and you're just getting choked up talking about uh Kurt Morath <laughs> Kurt Morath I know it's like it's right back here uh that's good so, yeah exactly sorry sorry Kurt we weren't trying it wasn't trying to get choked up talking about you so we'll take a quick break we'll be right back we <laughs> 
As you know, the Austin Rugby Podcast is more than just the AGs because Austin is a hub of rugby and high quality rugby. And it's important that we bring people that are, you know, leading the way for the Austin rugby community. And of course, I, I think it's important that we we have some guys on this week that are a part of one of the local clubs. And so I wanted to bring on as the first club representative for the the year 2021, the first, you know, first club representative of the year. I wanted to bring on from the Austin Huns head coach, Adam Scheidler. Adam, how's it going, brother? Good, good, good. How are you, Dustin? Yeah, we're good. We're, we're just, yeah. we're just moving on living in a world of pandemic and no rugby. That's <laughs> true. true. So, so tell us, you know, a little bit about yourself and how you got to be head coach of the, of the Huns, man. Yeah. So, I mean, oddly enough, I actually went to my first rugby training ever at 17. I was working at P.F. Chang's in the Arboretum in Austin. And one guy said, hey, man, you got to come play this rugby thing. And I was just kind of sick of uh, soccer and lacrosse and all these odd sports I was playing with. Found another odd sport, but uh, went to like the small park in East Austin in dirt road two, <laughs> yeah in like 99 or 2000 and i went to a few hunts trainings and uh you know kind of filtered in and out like a high school kid but uh ended up playing for ut uh played chicago blaze and then came back to play for the huns um then took a couple years off and then came back to coach man so i mean you through and through like it, it wasn't it's not even been a question it's been huns since huns since inception <laughs> Yeah, I guess so. It's kind of interesting. Yeah, it kind of feels like uh, ending where you began. Yeah, yeah. So I think, yeah, that, that was that was 21 years ago. I see. You know, we're the same age. So I, I have people yeah. ask me, how come you're still not playing? Um, and there's plenty of good reasons for that. Uh, so the question is, why aren't you still playing? <laughs> yeah, that, that's that. You're you're not the first person to ask me that. So um, so I still play touch rugby. There's like a pretty competitive league. Going oh, yeah. on, you know, going to nationals a few times. It's fun, and and it, for me that that gets it out, you know. Um, and it's not that, and I, I I do miss playing, you know. And I still play old boys. Yeah. So whenever the Silverbacks come play, I, I enjoy jumping in there. I've jumped in a couple D three matches okay, with yeah. uh, Weasel, who still uh, lace them up. But you know, at about thirty three, yeah. my uh, body wasn't doing what my mind wanted to do no matter your body no, gives you one of these coming. and little, little middle finger right there. Yeah. it's like come on man. yeah there, there just wasn't enough fitness training around to to get it to do what my head was wanting so um yeah i i uh, just curl a clipboard these days there you go so you know you you are the head coach of of the huns do you i mean technically i mean correct me if i'm wrong do you all three levels you're the head coach for or do you kind of pass off some of that responsibility to some of the other guys for for d2 d3 yeah, so we so we've had we've had uh, we started with three uh, coaches on our coaching staff three years three four years ago, and now we're up to seven. No man. So um, so I've I've been the head coach, but and then uh, on game days I'll mostly coach uh, Division One. Yeah, and then um, we have we've had one to two coaches for every side for Division Three, Division Two as well. And I mean, you know, I give so much credit to those guys for the success of every level because. 
um, it's just so much help to be able to split up your time and to give more and more attention to specific groups of players. I mean, if I tried coaching 60, 70 guys at a training, I'd, I'd fail massively. No way. There's no way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's, that's fascinating. So, you know, I, if we don't talk about it, it would be weird, but obviously, you know, you go back almost 12 months now and you guys are preparing, you guys are playing through the season, the beginning of the season. And then all of a sudden COVID hits. And what, what was that like? How, how, how strange was that for you? And just kind of preparing your guys and then, then you're not preparing anybody. Your games are canceled. Yeah. You know, I think, I think there's some dudes that haven't gotten over it yet. <laughs> and I might include myself. In that. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, it, it was a while, it's been a wild trip the Huns have been on the three previous seasons, you know, from a one win for talking about division one yeah. and yeah. Two, two or three was similar from a one win to a 500 season about splitting to uh, beating the Reds. And uh, the only teams we lost was the blacks and we were, you know, geared up, up. to give them a run in playoffs, you know? Yeah. And so, you know, it, it was a nice ramp that a lot of Huns were on there and they were there from the get and yeah. had been really putting something special together. And so, um, you know, a lot of guys were crestfallen, you know, but I mean, you know, that's how, that's how life goes. And the story's not over, you know? So, yeah. um, I, I think that the Huns have been on a nice ramp and recovery since everything went down. Yeah. And, and absolutely. And for those of you who don't know, like the, um, the MLR team was that from the inception was the Austin elite, which is the Huns elite. And you know, there was a separation. There's all kinds of back and forth it, lots of lots of drama that was involved in that and and i think that you know I, I i remember watching and seeing you know kind of what happened behind the scenes as in the periphery and you kind of go oh man that ah, that just didn't seem right like there's lots of stuff going on and I, I we won't get into that but i think to see the growth and like you said like you guys have really kind of made a comeback what do you what do you attribute that to uh, you know that growth and to build that team back up from you know really losing a whole lot yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, um, I mean, somebody has to write a book on how that whole thing went down. It, it's, I'm it's, not. it's fascinating. No. Yeah, no, I mean, I mean, somebody has to, and I mean, I think one thing that's interesting is, you know, Are you saying you're volunteering. Well, and no, I mean, I, I will, I will, I will talk enough for somebody to write. <laughs> like with, with enough beers, I'm happy to tell my, my take, yeah. but I, I actually don't have a lot of blame. Because, I mean, there's plenty to go around. And rugby players just aren't known for high emotional intelligence or great communication skills. So, I mean, <laughs> that's the truth. It, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's hard to hang it on anybody individually. You know, I, I think it's just an interesting story is yeah. kind of the way I see it. But, but back to your question, that one win season is the hardest season I've ever been through as any type of competitor. And I've been playing sports since elementary school, like everyone else, right? I mean, the hardest thing I've ever been through and um, trying to get guys fired up. And we still had to field three sides. And so yeah. we had to have on some weekends, we were in Little Rock, a division was in Little Rock and division two was in Fort Worth and division three was in Houston. We had to get guys for every side and still get boys fired up enough. And sometimes you were putting together a side on a Thursday night with a high probability knowing you were about to go take an L on Saturday. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was, um, it was very difficult and we just kept focusing on what we're going to improve on, you know, dismiss the score. We're going to get better. And I will say at the end of that season, when we, uh, tied Glendale, mm -hmm. when we took a, a tie in, in, in Glendale going all the way up there, um, you know, a lot of guys says the game should have won, but how well we played and how we ended the season, 
when you focus on improvement, which is so much better from where we started. Yeah. And it was, and that's kind of a story in itself from just a bad news bears kind of story of just how bad it was from beginning to guys really coming together, lifting each other up, fixing details they wanted to fix and just uniting to be a pretty solid force. Yeah. And, and then, you know, you kind of go from there and then 500 season after that. And then last season, you know, we'll call it last season because the last played season. I mean, obviously, yeah. you guys get, I mean, they get the two games you guys had against the blacks. Like they, it's not like they were slouch games. Like those were solid, you know, nail biter games where you guys had the lead for almost until the end there and just kind of, kind of lost it. But, you know, I think that the quality of play you guys have at the exponential growth that you've had over three years is something to be commended. Oh, cheers. I appreciate that. And I thought the comeback the boys had against the Reds at home is one of the best games I've ever been a part of. So at halftime, I believe we were down 17. Yeah. Um, And then, and I mean, guys were exhausted on both sides. It was a brutal half. And then for them to rally back from 17 down and win by 10 is one of the best comebacks I've, I've ever witnessed. So it was just inspiring. I was I, I was only able to be there for like the first like twenty five minutes and I had to leave. Oh, I, I felt man. so bad. I was like, oh man, this sucks. Like I'm watching it yeah. on, on Facebook, you know, watching stuff. I'm like, oh, hey, all right, there we go. <laughs> yeah, no, you, you're right. I mean, we were getting routed. I mean, yeah. tri- reds were walking in triads, heads are being hung. The us, all, the, the 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 boys in the triads were screaming at each other, and I mean, we those five minutes at halftime from everybody collectively coming together and making a decision that we weren't done. And we saw a few weaknesses in the reds that we wanted to exploit. And we were going to commit to that mm-hmm. um, is, was just inspiring, man. It's yeah. kind of what you put in years of work just to have 30 minutes of, of that kind of experience for, you know, <laughs> well, that's a, it's, it's good. It's good. To, it's good to see that. It's good to hear that. Um, you know, kind of thinking about it, you, you, you briefly touched upon it and you, sending people D one here, D two here, D three here. How difficult is that, you know, to have, you know, how difficult was it maybe then obviously harder, but now that as the team's grown more and more players coming in, how have you seen that affect, you know, TRU and Texas R- club rugby in general is having so many different, you know, the teams, not too many field three sides, right? The U, the blacks, um, and the red, reds. reds. And I think that's it right now. Right. Correct. So that that's Correct. one that says a whole lot for you know people who question whether or not there's a large rugby community in Austin. There's three sides. Technically, there's well, there's seven sides if you count you know Division One, Two, Three for Blacks and Huns, and then or and then of course you have the Valks as well. So there's eight total sides. So that's amazing. Um, how do you how do you kind of deal with that as a coach and thinking back? Okay, who's going to go play? Because I know guys jump up and down sometimes between. D2, D3, D1, D2 type of thing. How do you handle that? Um, very difficult. names out of a hat. If you ask a lot of the players poorly is, is the answer. Like, damn, it, damn it, coach, but, come on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, and, and, it's, and it's so interesting because, I mean, karma really is can be a real evil mistress because I remember as a player when coaches would put out like, even if it had nothing to do with me, I was sure that I knew in my head, like, that is the wrong selection. Let me show you what the right one is. Why? And this is the obvious correct selection. And then it's, it's an interesting experience of being a coach and it, I'm pretty hard headed. So it took me three years to realize there's no such thing as a selection sheet that even maybe a majority of people would be happy with. Yeah. I mean, it just doesn't exist. It, it, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, you know, it's so, um, 
What's that? I said, I've been there. Like, come on. Yeah. 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 And I remember being a player pissed off about selections. And then I look back like, Oh, I, w- I always thought there was something a little bit wrong with it. So I guess, but you know, now you're on the other end getting complained about your selection. And here's you, the thing. It's not yeah. like, you know, it's not like you're, you're like a head coach at MLR, like an NFL team or an M, uh, MLR team. And all these guys listen to you. These are grown men. There's older, some are older than you. Some are the same age. Like these are all professional working adults. <laughs> so, each have a bit of an ego. Because rugby players have an ego. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I would not say that emotions or feelings are any less heightened yeah. <laughs> than at a professional right. level. Right. But, 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 you know, I guess, I guess to, to try to give a maybe more sunny side answer to that is that one thing that we talk about at the beginning of every season when we have our players meeting is we have two, two big uh, values that we're about. One is a culture of inclusivity mm-hmm. where anybody that shows up and anybody that walks on is welcome and you're a rugby player and nobody's cut. And that's just, that's an ethos that I believe is higher and bigger than the Hans ethos of rugby. It's not, yeah. we're not football. We're not having trials. You're not cut. You are here no matter who you are. We had a guy last year that was like 60 and wanted to come out. And we, we've had all these kind of stories of real cool people that have just, Hey, I haven't played sports 12 years. I had this operation and I need to get fit and so on and so forth. But, but the thing I'm saying is, is that for one, we have a culture of inclusivity and, yeah. and our second value is a culture of competition. And I think some teams will see those as mutually exclusive. And I completely disagree. I, I think they actually um, benefit each other. Mm-hmm. So, so one thing that in, in an ideal world is that no matter what side you're on is that you can always compete to move up a level and you, you get a new shot every week. So if you didn't make the side you want, it's like, Hey, come have a conversation. What do you need to work on? And then let's see if we can lift that level. And you know, division three is a place for, it's a split in my opinion. It's a guy that's brand new to rugby. Plus it's a other mix of veterans that are my age that are, you know, you know, trying to ride off into the sunset with our broken knees and stuff. But, you know, it, it, but that's a great place for older players and vets to teach younger players, you know, and, you know, vets aren't interested in playing at a higher level. They're in their 40s, some of them, and that's okay. And But there's a 19-year-old that just showed up and learned in the game that does want to, does have some aspirations, maybe MLR, and he can work his way from three to one up to the sides. And I, I, I think these larger-sided clubs have a great opportunity for progression mm-hmm. built with them. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. you, you, you yeah. kind of said it, you know, this 19-year-old going to MLR. There's been a lot of discussion on social media because everybody loves to talk on social media about MLR and club rugby and, and yeah. the correlation. How do you see that moving forward? You know, you're, you're a coach, you've got a team and you know, this is, you want to keep your guys and you want to play, you want to be the best, but also we want to see the, the, the game grow, right? Like you, I, you want to see your guys go and play for the USA Eagles, right? Like you want to see Huns as an Eagle how do you kind of manage that? And what do you think the future is going to be like, you know, for working, let's say in Houston, they have, you know, the uh, uh, rugby HTX. So it's not quite, they're, they're going to play D one whenever TRU comes back, but you know, they're only, they're associated with the Sabercats, but they're not going to play for championships or turn in tournaments and stuff. How do you see that working out in the future? This is a tough question, by the way. <laughs> no, no, it's good. So, I mean, let me just kind of, I'll, you, you can ask me more about rugby H checks if you want, but I'll, I'll, I'll just talk from Austin. And yeah. so um, we've, we've, we've had, and there's been a new coaching reign all the last three years. Yeah, and and yeah, that's just how it is. But, but with every new coaching reign, we have reached out, try to work with them. And we've had, you know, um, more or less response. And we have been talking with Sam and Mark and 
response seems pretty good for this fourth. So I'm optimistic, but you know, to me, um, there's, there's probably about, um, fluctuating between about seven to 10 Huns at division one, or maybe division two that are very interested in playing MLR. Yeah. Um, maybe a dozen at most. And, um, those guys that are interested, I'm interested in helping them get there. So, um, you know, guys with aspirations, I have no interest that if you're playing, if you're, if you can go give a go at MLR, I'm not interested in holding you back. We've, we've actually been doing just the opposite. So there are a couple of games where we had five huns, yeah. uh, in the 23 and, and, and then and the greatest thing is, is that there's a great, um, ability for us to work in concert because that's the best attending games I've ever seen. There's 50 huns in the sands because they know five guys that are out there lacing them up. Like yeah, Alex you know, Reese was one of them. I remember when he came on, people, people went crazy. And then you had, Oh, Oh, just forgot. Uh, uh, JP Novak, uh, who is officially Warren. the oldest MLR player now. <laughs> is he? I love it. I love I, it. I, I'm not sure he knows that stat. I think he right? did. I think I told him because he felt bad about it for a minute. Because <laughs> I had All him right, on the well, podcast I'll last year. About it. Thanks for reminding I'll, me. I'll, I'll, I'll double check on that, but I'm almost positive he's. Hey, hey! Don't don't let the truth get in the way of good story. Especially Dustin. the way that JP plays, man. Like he's he's a solid player, man. <laughs> dude, dude, not only that, he he told me I think a, a year or two ago that he's got five more years of one play at the highest level where he wants to hit the gas. And and I mean, and he's 40, it, he right. He, he, yeah, and he's a specimen. He's, it's, it's impressive. Yeah, he's we'll call him a freak in yeah. nature because it's pretty. Yeah, he plays high quality, so. He, he does. He does. And, and gives it his all. He, no, no, no doubt. I mean, uh, two kids has his own business. I don't know how he finds the time, but it's uh, uh, solar five, one, two, for those listening, watching, go check out if you need solar panels, I'll, I'll promote JP's business. I don't care. We're business owners. Love we know. It. <laughs> Love it. Love it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I, I, it's good to hear you say that, you know, I, I do know that some people have kind of questioned it around Texas and around the U S it's like, well, you know, we don't want our club players going to play, you know, with MLR associated like development teams and whatnot. But I, I, I'm glad that you're, you're going to, I mean, listen, I know it's tough and you always got to field new teams, but the fact that, you know, you're in support of, of helping grow the game, that's, that's always a good thing. And if, if, and if I said that incorrectly, please let me know. But I felt like, you know, that's kind of your, your mottos. You're going to help them reach their goals no matter what. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, I, I think we can talk about some downsides of MLR, but, you know, I think also they're in their early development stages and they got some growing pain. So I think sure. I can give them a little bit of room for that. Yeah. But, you know, I think sometimes by people that can be skeptical, you know, I can carry some skepticism. Sure. There's a lot of positives too. Yeah. You know, yeah. Th- this, this amount of uh, attention and influx and even just money coming into the sport of rugby in the country, there's a lot of positives to it. And I think it needs to be balanced out. And for, you know, um, if I was, if I was 21, 22, and I had the ability to go give a shot to get on TV, yeah, man, of course I'd want to go and I'd want a coach to help me get there. And so, yeah. uh, I, I totally understand the feeling. And so, Where was you know, professional I, rugby at I, when in 2001, when we were playing in our prime, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I would have stood a yeah. chance, but <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, and, and to me, this is a great fit for where club fits in MLR is that MLR I've seen in almost every city, they have about 26 guys yeah. that they have in their camp. Yeah. And you just wait around till about two thirds of the season's in and they're going to be down to 18, 19. It's just how it works. I've seen it work in D1 the same way. It's just how it works. And so guys that are just on their radar that are in division one club rugby mm-hmm. will get a right about the second half of the season and that's when they're going to need players and that's i think a great opportunity for guys to step up and give a go even if they're unsigned it, yeah. it, it's it's just good to be in the same city and right nearby where hey come on up we, we we need a level and with us with 
you know, at division one, we'll fill in and, and make things work and still give a go. And um, I mean, I, I think a great system that, you know, I've heard a lot about and asked players about is like with the brothers and the reds over, yeah. over in Australia, you know, really high level club, club rugby guys that play uh, super rugby come down and compete. And it's an honor to go that's play awesome. against the guys play for qualities. And right. I, I think that's how we should look at it. Cause some guys, when I hear this attitude, like, Oh man, that guy's playing, he's played MLR. We shouldn't play against him. He had a cap with the Eagles. It's like, opposite man you want to play the highest competition you can and let's go lace them up and see if you can get a shot up yeah you know I, I i to me that's the mentality i think is is probably the best for up in your game that's awesome um obviously it's been weird usually right about now we're, we're getting ready for playoffs this past this past fall we, we would have played games we had great times you know getting ready to play and you know now it's like well what do we do? How, how have you been handling it as, as a coach? And, you know, what have you been doing to keep your guys interested? Yeah. So with us being currently in stage four, we, we've been adhering to the TRU uh, guidelines and I think they're in a tough spot. I don't envy it's, their position. Oh, that's terrible. We talked with it, Kurt it, Tate and I've talked with it. It's not fun. <laughs> no, no, it's not. But, you know, in an interest and we're, we're very similar in a, in a smaller version to where, we're wanting to keep rugby alive and try to do it as safe as possible. Yeah. Um, and there's no perfect answer, but we just try to make the best decisions we can. The one thing that stage four allows is inter squad scrimmages. So um, we've been having practices and we, we came up with our own modified rules with uh, no set pieces and no breakdowns. You're, you're playing had, rugby league, basically. <laughs> it's supposed to league. It's pretty close. Cool. You know, there's, there's not, there's not six downs. Code switches. You know, <laughs> and, and yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and you, you, you only have to get to the back foot of the rock. Um, and you know, it's, it's, it's definitely challenging. There's a lot of short arms, but I mean, there's a lot of forwards that are, they're not upset about not having a scrum oh, 15 no. times. I, I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's made for, for uh, some interesting matches, you know, and I think that has, uh, that's the first time that we've had like a full type of tackle competition since we played, um, uh, in March last. So it's been 10 months for a lot of guys. It's crazy. And, you know, and I, I think a lot of guys were surprised at how quickly they got exhausted. I think the match only lasted like 55 minutes and cramps and guys looked like they were caught by snipers all over the field, oh, but man. you know, you uh, got to start somewhere. And, and, um, you know, I, I think we're just trying to bring it back as safely as we can. And, nice. um, yeah, but uh, I, I also want to talk about, which is I think is very important for you guys, is the Huns Youth Program. And want to wrap things up here talking about the youth because I think what you guys do with the youth program is fantastic. Like the growth of youth rugby is incredibly important, and the Huns Youth Rugby is, is probably one of the best that I've seen around the country. Like you guys, the 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 rate in which you have events and people coming in. Uh, it's commendable. So I'd love you to kind of talk a little bit about that, the Huns youth program and, and what it means to, to foster a, an organization like that. Uh, cheers. And, and, and a lot of credit goes to uh, Chris Hansen, Hansel, uh, Luis Sanchez, and a ton of other youth coaches that are off that are ex Huns that now have their, because Huns been around since 72, they now have kids that are keen to play. So it's <laughs> this really kind of, could have been a circle of life thing that's going on. Yeah. But um, I'll say there's, if, if you have rugby in your heart, there's nothing more beautiful than those Saturdays when you walked on to Nixon Lane and at 9 a.m. there was rugby, youth rugby from 9 to 12. 
Division three playing from 12 to one thirty, division two, and then division one. And it was rugby from nine to five yeah. the entire day out at Nixon lane. And then it was so cool how the youth would then stay. We had division one, division two players, division three players come and help coach the youth. And then they would stay in Sherman. We had guys running waters and teas that were in that youth that day. I mean, it was, um, this really, it was so nice to see a pretty large family. Yeah. Um, that that would you know really look out for each other and help out for each other and work together and there's just something so mutually beneficial about um having that youth program that i know took a lot of hours to build um and really um it's 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 really i think part of the huns ethos and what the huns are all about of growing the game and growing the sport that's awesome well Adam, I greatly appreciate you coming on and joining us and just kind of chatting for a few minutes. If people want to find out more information about the Huns, about how to come out and play some touch, about how to come out and, you know, just, you know, join the organization, how to get one of them pretty hats uh, you got there. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, also, you know, I did either point out that I did not realize I was wearing a, a light blue shirt. Uh, nah, <laughs> so, nah. But, you know, I, I support all the teams, so we're, we're good. Uh, where, where, can people, where can people go to find out more information on the Huns? Yeah, uh, hunsrugby.com. We'll have uh, all the updates there. Um, you know, if you're keen to get involved, just fire in an email and you'll have uh, more responses than you may have intended. <laughs> you and guys, <laughs> guys hit you up. And, and uh, you know, one of the beautiful things about rugby is you just kind of jump on a field and you immediately have uh, 50 mates. Yeah. So, you know, that's kind of how it goes. That's awesome. Well, we really appreciate you coming on, chatting for a little bit. Yeah. Hunsrugby.com. Go there if you want more information. Adam Scheidler with the Austin Huns, head coach of the Austin Huns. Appreciate you coming on, man. Absolutely. Thanks so much for the time, Dustin. Appreciate Thanks. it. All right. Cheers. All right. For my next guest on the podcast, really excited to have him on. Um, he has, oh, what is it? 38 caps for, for Tonga. He is uh, three World Cups, uh, but only 65 minutes for the AGs, unfortunately, for last season. He is the one and only Kurt Morath. Kurt, how's it going, man? Yeah, really good. Thanks. Uh, good. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, so, sorry, sorry to bring up the only sixty-five minutes. Uh, <laughs> I know it's a bit, bit of a sore subject, but because uh, you know, well, the season ended last last year, one game in for you, so that wasn't <laughs> wasn't fair. <laughs> yeah, uh, disappointing finish that way, but I mean, you know, we got the win, and that's always uh, the main thing. So one from one so far for me. Yeah, yeah. there you go. I'll, I'll, I'll take that. That's a, that's a good way to start. Um, you got a couple other guys like that, Pele and, uh, and, and will both also, you know, the big announcement on top of the circuit of America's was kind of a, it's kind of a nice coming out party, you know, for you last year. Yeah. Yeah. No, that was good fun. It was uh, good to get out there to Dakota. Um, first time out there. Yeah. Hopefully we'll get to play there this year, which will be good. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's good. A little unveiling. Some of the boys were, not too keen on the heights, but uh, you know. <laughs> wait, which which one? So we, we can so we can call them out later. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm not saying names. Okay, well, well, there's only there's only four of them up there, or four others up there with you. Besides, uh, well, yeah. you and Matt and uh, Wapa yeah. and uh, and Will and Paley. So we'll have to chat with them and see which one actually is the uh, the one afraid of heights. So another time. So. Yeah, another time. <laughs> yeah, right. right. Um, so uh, you know. <sighs> You are, I mean, you're the most experienced test 
international player to, to ever play for Austin, Te- technically speaking. And, you know, 38 caps, you played in three World Cups. Um, you played pro rugby for, for San Diego for a year, played in Utah, then you're off at Doncaster. What was it? What, what was kind of the impetus to come to, to Austin? You know, as you're preparing, you're finished in, you know, in the English Premier uh, uh, D, uh, Championship level, excuse me, uh, for Doncaster. What was, the, uh, what was the draw to come down here and play for Austin? Um, well, like I said, I've played in the U.S. Uh, two times previously. Um, I've always enjoyed my time here in the U.S. I actually had another year left on my contract back in England. And then after the World Cup, um, I kind of thought, you know, I didn't really want to go back. To England, um, there's an there was, you know, it was that time of the year, it's getting pretty cold. Oh, yeah. and, um, I thought there were better places to be, and um, you know, the opportunity to come back to MLR and to a place like Austin. Um, and at the time, I guess they, you know, hadn't had the best record. No, no uh, previously, not, not so, at all. <laughs> yeah, it was a, um, you know, it was a good challenge and um, a bit of a fresh start, and coming back to America as well. Yeah. Well, and obviously, you know, weather was a little bit different. It was a little bit warmer here probably in Austin than it, than it was in England at that particular time. <laughs> Most definitely. Yeah. And and you were actually slated to, I mean, if we go back to the last World Cup, unfortunately for you uh, and for those who haven't seen it, it ended kind of prematurely for you in the first game against England. And just a uh, man, uh, uh, what what we watched uh, for for those of us who knew you were coming to the team before official announcements were made, uh, that was kind of a scary uh, scary moment for us, but also a scary moment for you to get kind of a back end of a boot from uh, from uh, Tuiligi uh, and, and, uh, out of nowhere. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I guess it's a pretty uh, pretty random sort of injury. It's something you sort of see more in like MMA and boxing. <laughs> By, by the yeah, way, the time, I guess. For, for those who haven't seen it, it, it was a boot to the throat. And for the, obviously for those listening, you can't see it if we put a video up there. So, uh, he, he got a stray boot right to the throat and it, uh, yeah, out for the count. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I kept playing for, oh, I guess another 10 minutes and, uh, you know, something just didn't seem quite right. Yeah. Um, talking and stuff like that. And, uh, there's a bit of blood coming out, which didn't look like a cut lip or anything like that. It was a bit, <laughs> it was a bit thicker than that. So, uh, I had, had the staff check me out and, um, yeah, it turned out I'd fractured my, uh, trachea. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's... So, I, yeah. So I was in the hospital for, I guess, like sort of three days in Japan and I had another two weeks cause I wasn't allowed to fly. So, yeah. um, had, had a little bit of a holiday over there. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, maybe not the holiday you wanted though, right? <laughs> no, I mean, it's disappointing. I mean, it's, I guess injuries are part of rugby, but, um, you know, Still yeah. got to that World Cup and, and got out there, I guess. So. Yeah, we'll, 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 we'll ask that now. Then I, I thought I'd ask it a little bit later. So you know, obviously, you know, 2023 is right around the corner. You're, you're still, you know, you're still pretty young. You're 30, 35. You could, you'll be 38 by the time the next, well, yeah, thir- well, 37, 38, depending on when your birthday is for the next World Cup. Any, yeah. uh, any ambitions to lace up again for, for Tonga? <laughs> um. Well, I haven't really thought too much about it, to be fair. It's sort of... Well, yeah. we'll, we'll put, put you on the spot right now. And, uh, <laughs> um, I, think, uh, I think at this stage, I mean, my body feels good and, you know, I'm still keen to play and, you know, I've got goals and things I want to achieve. But at this point, it's all um, it's all about the Kilgroenies, AGs, and 
one uh, one thing at a time, one day at a time. We, we will we will point out uh, if you do lace up, you will be the only player in Tongan history to play in four World Cups. By the way, so just gonna throw that out there. We'll make a push for it on social media as we get closer, for sure. <laughs> uh, it'd, be, it'd be a pretty oh, good recognition. It. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> so you know, obviously. You know, you were slated to come to team last year. There was some uh, delays in visas, which, you know, it happens in rugby and it has happened. Um, you know, kind of getting into that, you know, coming in for one game. T- talk to me a little bit about what it was like kind of integrating with the team because you were only here about, what, eight days or so until you, until you laced up for that first match against Houston, yeah? Yeah, I think I... I think I... When I turned up, I think I got three trainings in, yeah. um, in that week. And then, um, yeah sort of, you know, they named me as captain as well and sort of had to lead the boys out there. And <laughs> I knew a few guys, I knew a few guys, uh, knew a few guys previously, yeah. um, which made it a bit easier. And there was enough guys there that um, had enough experience, and, you know, sort of helped to share their workload. Yeah. And I'd been watching the games back in New Zealand yeah. um, while we were waiting for our, our visas. And, you know, it was, it was so close. Um, the guys were getting every weekend, which was, you know, it was frustrating to see. And, I kind of just felt we only needed a few little tweaks um, to get us over the line, and that kind of happened in Houston. So yeah, absolutely. And it, and it's been you know kind of talking about that journey. You know, unfortunately, you, you did, did get hurt in about the 65th minute of that match. Um, you know, I guess rib injury and stuff. But you know, you you got in, you you played, we got the win, um, and then the season got canceled. You know, so <laughs> that's kind of one of those situations where, well, nobody ever expects it. Nobody plans for a global pandemic. Um, walk me through what it was like. I mean, you, it's kind of through social media or through media and through the Gilgronies page and other news sources in New Zealand. I mean, you moved your entire family over here to Texas, and you've decided to and you decided to stay. What's the decision process like in in doing that and not heading back back to New Zealand? Yeah, it was tough. I mean, obviously everything ended so quickly. Um, we knew that we were coming back this season. And like you said, I moved my wife and my, my two daughters over here as well. Um, and we literally packed up everything at home. Uh, so we didn't feel like getting out of here straight away was probably the right thing because the reason coming here was to stop moving around so much with my kids. Yeah. To stop up, you know, stop uprooting them and uh, all that kind of thing. And now that my eldest is in school. So we figured, you know, we're here. You know, we'll buy into it. We're here together as a family, so we'll stay and we'll ride it out until next season. And to be fair, it's been probably the the right decision. Yeah. Um, there are opportunities to go play some rugby in between now and you know last year. Yeah. But like we said, you know, we wanted to be here and to stay in one place. So. Well, yeah. you, you did get to go, you did get to go play a little bit of rugby. Um, you you played in the uh, the first ever rugby tens tournament in Bermuda. What, what was that like uh, for, for fans watching? Some liked it, some didn't like it. I was on the fence about rugby tens. Still, kind of am on the fence about rugby tens, but you know, you got that experience. Yeah. Walk us through what it was like to go play play down in Bermuda for a while. Um, yeah, like you said, I mean, obviously it was, it was a chance to get back out and play some rugby. Um, and sort of to be away for about three weeks and in, in, a, in a place like Bermuda wasn't a <laughs> terrible idea. Could have been worse places. Yeah, it could have been worse <laughs> places. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's obviously a different form of form of fifth, uh, rugby. Um, and it sort of meets in the middle, I guess, between 15s and 7s. Um, I guess the first sort of week, everyone was trying to figure out, you know, strategy and all that kind of thing. And yeah. it's all very new to everyone. But I mean, overall, I enjoyed it. Nice. Um, 
got what I, got what I needed out of it, I guess. You know, played some rugby, didn't get injured, um, <laughs> came, came back healthy. So. Two two big two big things that you need to make sure that you have is uh, yeah, good good rugby and then no injuries. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. So no, it worked out pretty well. Nice. Well, you know, you you go down, you play. Um, yeah, you play in Bermuda. You got a lot of things going on. You're doing all all the training still here in Austin, and then all of a sudden we get n- new coaching staff is announced. You get you know Sam Harris, Mark Gerard coming in from Australia. Um, did, first question is, did you ever play against either one of those guys, um, Mark Gerard, or it's like because you? I mean, we're all around the same age. You, uh, Mark's a couple years, you know, three years older than you are. Uh, didn't know if you ever got a chance to play against him while he was playing, or even Sam too. Uh, no, I never played against Sam and I don't think I've played against Mark. I, I did meet him over, uh, while I had my time in Japan. Yeah. He was still, pl- he was still playing at the time, but, um, we were at different teams and we never, we never played each other. So, yeah. Did, um, didn't know if there was yeah, an Australia Tonga, you know, matchup sometime that we missed, you know, b- back in, in your, your earlier days. So. <laughs> no, no, no. So, no, I haven't actually, yeah, I never got to play against Mark, but, um, yeah, it's, it's really good to have them here and we've got some, uh, some really good ideas and some fresh approaches coming yeah. through to this season. Yeah, let's, let's talk a little bit about this season. Obviously, um, lots of, lots of signings, lots of, you know, got all the re-signings. We've covered it on the podcast, all the re-signings in the back line. Um, only about only five re-signings in the back line. So it kind of shakes things up, but, um, you know, lots of new signings definitely in that, in that back line. You've got guys like, um, uh, like Cole Davis. You've got, you know, Frank Lai coming back. You've got Roderick Waters coming back. You've got, you know, Will is also back there. And then you've got, um, Mac Mason. And it kind of puts, uh, I talked a little bit with Dan Power a couple weeks ago, kind of puts an interesting three-way battle for that, that starting uh, that number 10 Jersey there with, with you and Will and Mac Mason. Uh, what's that going to be like? And, and how do you hold those two off from taking your 10 Jersey? <laughs> <laughs> um, I think it's all about what's best for the team. And, um, Bit of uh, in-house competition. There's nothing wrong with that, and it's always good. It's always good for the team, you know, to get the best out of everyone. So, I mean, I'm looking forward to it. I'm sure they're looking forward to it. And whoever plays, you know, it's obviously for the better betterment of the team. And at the end of the day, if if the Gilgronies win, we all win. So. Yeah. Do, do you feel any sort of, um, we'll call it responsibility? You know, being one of the, the more experienced players on the team, you know, both internationally and just in rugby general and years playing um, to kind of lead some of these younger guys. I mean, we, we do have got a team kind of a mix of, of of age ranges and people who have different experiences, especially a lot of the American players. Do you feel that responsibility kind of to, to help coach them and guide them along? And, and Yeah, I think that's all part of it um, when you come over to like, I guess, where rugby is developing in the US, a lot of for some of the guys in our squad, you know, they're pretty new to being in a professional setup. Yeah, and what a, what a rugby setup looks like every day, day to day sort of thing. So, um, having been around for for quite a while now, yeah, you definitely do take that on your shoulders that to sort of show them how things should be and you know how they can get the best out of themselves. Yeah, how, how do you think that you know you? You're here coaching the team. You're not coaching the team, but here you're acting like as, as a coach, player coach. I know some other people are as well, kind of like WAPA and other members of the organization. Um, when we have younger players, what are some of the important things that you think that you know American rugby players can can work on early? You know, in order to you know push them to that next level. That's one thing we've been talking about is you know getting younger players 
know, acclimated to the game sooner at a younger age. Um, what are some of those? What are some of the key things that you think are always important to to work on at the young player age? Yeah, I think obviously if you know the earlier that they can get a rugby ball in their hands, they can get exposed to it. You know, the, they're going to continue that on through their careers. Um, I think quality coaching at a young age is very important so that they're actually learning these skills from a young age. They're not sort of going through to, you know, when they get to like 19, 20, then they sort of get exposed to this coaching where they've sort of learned bad habits along the way. Yeah. So it's kind of hard to change that. So, I mean, the, the, the more they can get exposed to rugby on a day-to-day basis as well as good coaching, you know, to work on their skills, I think that's pretty important. Nice. Um, with that, do you, I, I guess, do you foresee, you know, the U.S., it, uh, making leaps and bounds over the next couple of years? Do you think MLR is one of those leagues that's going to help drive, you know, the game even further, um, you know, kind of at the youth level all the way up rather than, you know, pulling athletes from crossover, you know, football players or something at 1920 and trying to make them into rugby athletes. Yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, you know, the more we see rugby on TV here, the more exposure it gets, you know, kids at a younger age, they're going to start to see MLR as a pathway for them to, you know, make, make some money as well as play professional sports. So it can only be good for USA rugby, I think. Yeah. And, and speaking of getting, you know, eyes on, on television and eyes in marketing, uh, your eyes have been all over, uh, the Austin area. Um, and, and what's 20, what is it? 20 or 20 or 16. I can't remember which one it is anymore. Uh, billboards around the city with Kurt Morath, all over the all over the front of that. What was uh, <laughs> what was the thought process behind that? How did that uh, how did that come about to say, hey, Kurt, we're going to put you all over the place, uh, and we're going to we're going to darken everything except for the jersey, and I think your eye like your eyes are just staring at everybody else. <laughs> uh, talk, walk us through what that's like to drive around town and see your face all over billboards in Austin. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think when it, when it came about, they sort of just said, you know, can you come and uh, on the state, we're th- going to do some uh, <laughs> some stuff with you. Take some photos and you know, for a bit of marketing. Yeah, for, for those who didn't see it, it was come on this date and we're going to put mud or dirt all over your face and body and everything else. Uh, the social media handle was pretty funny. Like I, I had a good laugh about it. <laughs> yeah, they they, uh, they forgot to mention that part. They just ah, said yeah. they were coming in to take some take some shots and um, <laughs> that kind of thing. But I got quite a bit of grief about it from mates. Um, Saying I'd never been that dirty in my life so, <laughs> on the rugby show, which which is probably probably true. Probably but, true. You know, yeah. it makes, makes makes for a decent photo, I guess. And um, if it's getting the name of rugby out there and the AGs out there, then I'm all for it. Yeah, and, and, and it actually, you know, it's good for it gets you know one, it gets your recognition, it gets people going, oh, who's that? And they go back and they search for the AGs and they search for who you are and they kind of read the story, and, and it is all about you know. Right now, from the U.S., I think it is a lot about telling the stories of how people come to play uh, for MLR. Um, if you can kind of sum up your story in you know a, f- a few few words, and what, what's your story of rugby and how you got to now? <laughs> uh, my story of rugby. Well, I guess I've been fortunate that you know I've been able to travel and see the world through rugby as my job and. You know, that's probably the main thing I love about rugby is, you know, the people you get to meet along the way and the sorts of relationships you form from people, you know, different different walks of life. So um, that's why I was, you know, very fortunate. And to end up here, like I said, it's a destination I've always wanted to, you know, maybe 
live at some point yeah. in some time. So uh, it's worked out pretty well for me. So I've got a no regrets or anything like that. So I'm very yeah. happy with how things are. That's like that's awesome. Well, I mean, you, you have, you've been very fortunate again, you played in the world cup three times, like just for people even to, to say, I got selected to be playing for the, you know, any world cup team or just to be selected for a national team is something to be said, but you know, 38 caps total, um, you know, for Tonga who have been thinking back to people you've played with, who's been the toughest player you played with and who's been probably the most skilled player you've ever played with. Um, toughest player, man. It's a tough one. I, I imagine there'd be quite a few. Probably going to forget someone. Pretty key. But, um, we, 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 we won't make we, we won't make any notes or anything if they if they listen or if or if they're watching, great. But so, <laughs> so you won't get in trouble with your mates. <laughs> I'd say probably one of the toughest guys I played with is, is Nelly Latu. He was our, one of our Tongan captains along the way. Um, he played in a few World Cups himself, uh, Super Rugby and things like that. Um, just always his leadership role, the way he led was obviously by actions more often than not. And he, yeah, he'd never take a backward step. So he was probably one of the toughest guys I've, mm-hmm. I've played with for sure. Nice. And, and I think he's, he's probably, I think he's pushing 40, maybe he's 41 and he's still playing over in Japan. So. Oh, really? Whew, man. See, yeah, it, so uh, he's, doing, he's doing well. Yeah. See, you, you still, you know, you could, you still got aspirations. You can still, you can get to the five world cups, you know, eventually maybe if you can, if you can make it, there's only been three in history to ever do that one. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah, he's probably the toughest. And, uh, if I could say one of the most skillful, um, uh, trying to think who that would be. Uh, yeah, it's really tough one on the spot there. Um, no, no worries. We, we won't, we won't put it in the bus. <laughs> Yeah, one of the players I've played with, uh, this guy Toulouse Vanu, he plays in, uh, he used to play at Leicester Tigers, he's mm. over in Star Frontier now. Um, yeah, just a pretty, uh, he's a very slick player. Nice. So he'd, he'd be up there. Yeah, really good player. I'm sure many people have seen his highlights if they, if they look him up. <laughs> well, well, we'll have to look it up and we'll th- throw some posts out there. Well, you know, kind of looking forward, you know, we talked, you talked about your career and what, what you've done. What are, you know, 2021 season? You know, it's, it, it, it kind of the still dealing with COVID right now, um, which is still an issue. Um, you guys are doing, I, I believe you're doing some sort of bubble training and stuff and you can only certain amount of people in the office, certain amount of people in the weight room training, certain amount of people on the field together one time. How's that kind of changed the, the dynamic and what do you think? Do you think there'll be an impact, you know, not being able to have full team, you know, 35 players out at one time, you know, training with the squad at least for a little while. Um, that we know of at least. <laughs> yeah, I think, well, I guess it's going to be a new for, for a lot of people for, you know, for all the teams, I guess this year. Yeah. Um, for us, it's just, yeah, I know trying to get that, uh, that bonding with the team. Um, Cause obviously if we're separated all the time, we're doing a lot of zoom calls and things like that, just so everyone can, um, you know, get that attachment to each other and uh, you know, wherever we can, we're going to try and, you know, build on that. Uh, but yeah, I guess it's, you know, only time will tell, but it will be tricky. Um, but I think with the medical staff and everything that they're doing uh, for us, you know, we're putting they're putting us in the best place we can to to be successful. Yeah, that's uh, that sounds good. And you know, kind of outlook for the, for the season. What are what are your, obviously we all hope to to lift a shield at the end. But do you have any uh, any personal aspirations for the season and kind of team aspirations that you'd like to uh, like to see happen? 
Yeah, obviously, you know, to, to win the competition is the main goal. Um, personally, uh, you know, I, I just want to play good rugby and and whatever capacity that is for the team, that's that's up to the coaches. But you know, I'll be trying to put my best foot forward every every training, every game, um, and then like, I think that's all we can really do. So yeah, yeah, and and then you know, even looking forward to like further than that, uh, becoming uh, regular residents of of Austin, Texas, or Round Rock, Texas, wherever within within the greater Austin area that you live, uh, staying here for the foreseeable future, or you know, headed back to New Zealand eventually. Um, I'm not too sure. Yeah, well, we, you know, I'm looking into a few things over here, so that would sort of keep us here a little bit longer term. Yeah. Um, that's sort of outside rugby as well. Um, but, you know, we're happy here. We're coming up a year being here in in Texas, so yeah. we've enjoyed our time. So, uh, yeah, we're, we're not in any hurry to get out of here. <laughs> well, that sounds good. We, we're we not in any hurry to see you guys leave. So. <laughs> Oh, I appreciate it. Any, any, any final, any final thoughts as we kind of wrap up here and, you know, any, anybody you'd like to say, Hey, to, or any things that you're, you know, you'd like to say to those listening, you know, and watching the podcast. Um, yeah, just, I guess to all the, the rugby community out there, uh, especially the AG fans and supporters, we, uh, you know, we look forward to, to seeing you all this year. Um, and we hope that we do you guys proud and put out a, put good performances out on the field that you guys can be proud of. So we're looking forward to putting uh, an exciting product out there as well as getting some whips and victories. Yeah. We, we definitely look forward to that. We hope that, you know, things can progress and there can be some in-person at, at Coda at, at bold stadium. So there can be some, some fans in the stands. Uh, but you know, we'll see if not, we'll be all on KXAN KBVO. So we get to, that's something that's, we, we've been talking about that's going to be great no matter what. And if we can't be in the stands, we can watch on local television. So, um, you know, there, there's that, <laughs> which doesn't happen anywhere else. And I don't think anywhere else in MLR, I think we're the only, only, uh, only team to have a local station broadcasting all the games. So, so yeah. something to be said. That'll be fantastic. Yeah, exactly. Um, Kurt Marath, thanks for coming on. Thanks for talking with us a little bit. We appreciate it. We look forward to seeing you out there, uh, battling for that 10 Jersey. Um, and kind of leading the Gilgronies here in 2021. Cool, man. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate Appreciate it. it. Have a good one. Well, we want to thank both Adam and Kurt for coming on to the podcast this week. Uh, Really enjoyed talking to those guys. It's been you know, obviously for Adam, it's been tough with, with COVID. Of course, it's tough with everybody with COVID. So it's not just him, uh, but good to get his perspective, right? You know, Austin Rugby Podcast, not just the AGs. They, they are the only information going on right now. The only action going on um, since we're not playing. Um, but it's been really, you know, it's nice to kind of talk to him and, and hear everything that's happening, you know, with the Huns and everything that you guys have been doing, you know, Alex, with, with, with the Huns organization just in the off season, which has been you know, not a lot, but at least you got something, right? <laughs> so, and then with Kurt, you know, obviously we're, we're pushing, come on, talking Tong- international selection side, Kurt will be the only four time, four time, sele- you know, selection to world cup for Tonga if he gets selected in the, in the next world cup. So that's, <laughs> that, that's our push. Um, you know, he's, he's still young. He's, he can still do it. He still got the he still got the jets. <laughs> hey, you're telling, you're telling me there's a chance. So you're telling me there's a chance. Um, you know, we, we we joked around about it. We we've got 
you know, lots of stuff going on at the AGs. We're going to talk, you know, next week, hopefully about, you know, the, the engine room, uh, if you, if you will, uh, talking about the, uh, those nice little locks that we've got, we've got four, uh, maybe f- I think five, four or five locks, you know, officially and unofficially coming in for Austin um, that have been signed this season and some pretty big names and pretty big players. Um, I don't know, Alex, if you've, if you've seen the size uh, of each one of those, those young lads, <laughs> so I'll say, but, but they're big. Um, it's good stuff. Alex, any, any last thoughts from you before we, uh, before we depart today? Um, not particularly. I just, um, you know, real happy just to get a chance to talk about some, some rugby and, and, uh, you know, fingers crossed that we're talking, uh, game previews and game recaps oh, and can't wait 40 days or whatever. Yeah. Whatever, you know? whatever we figure out how many days are actually left. Yeah. And so, yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, well, that's pretty much all the rugby from a, to Z on on this episode of the podcast. That probably will be the only time we ever say that, but I just wanted to say that because I thought it was funny. I thought of it earlier today. Um, A to Z Rugby, Alex Reese. I'm Dustin Zare. If you're looking for more information on anything going on in the world of Texas rugby, tune in every month to Texas Rugby Monthly. How 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 fortuitous is that, right? Uh, um, Grant Cole, Rick Collins, and myself sit down and just chat about everything that's going on. The past episode that just came out, go listen to it. We had Kirk Tate on there who was uh, also a, a former Hun, uh, now leading the TRU. Uh, good information there about club scene and what's going on and all the great things that they've been doing here in Texas. Um, for any more information, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Austin Rugby Supporters is the is the handle. We look forward to having you back next week. More information, more fun stuff. Alex and I will sit down and talk the big boys, the big engine room. You're listening and watching the Austin Rugby Podcast. That's Alex Reese. I'm Dustin Zare. We'll see you on the pitch.